Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weekday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona, and, and the, the world, world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweed's Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find hemp products, accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit Tumbleweed Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at tumbleweedhealthcenter.com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. All right. Can you hear us now? Oh, boy. Welcome to Wednesday, Wednesday, everybody. I'm so sorry. The show is already starting out to be a disaster. Um, We're having some serious technical problems, so we're just going to tune in with my phone here. And hopefully, I don't know what's going to happen because the computer part of the show is going to crash. I can't get my uh, battery to charge. I've got two batteries plugged into this computer, and it's just absolutely dead. I tried to restart it and got nothing. So I'm hoping if the show completely crashes, Sean, we're going to have to have you on another time. I sincerely apologize. It's not one thing. It's another. But let's just get to the commercial for Tumbleweed Health Center. Are chronic conditions holding you back from a happy, healthy life? Get on the right track with Tumbleweed's Health Center. Our CBD products are formulated to fit your health lifestyle. I would definitely say that CBD has changed my life. I mean, I don't worry about my dog anymore, and I don't worry about sleeping anymore. Tumbleweed's Health Center, voted number one health center in Tucson, has created a proprietary number of CBD blends, each designed to promote health and well-being. Let Tumbleweed's Health Center show you how CBD products might help you improve your life the natural way. All right, give us a call, 520-838-4430. Um, wow, we are really trying to get this, get this show going here. I'm so discombobulated this morning, I don't even know what to say. All right, well, uh, we do have a new shop opening. The Good Leaf Shop will be open. It's called the Good Leaf, and it will be opening uh, next Monday. 6224 East Speedway. All right, are we in? Go to studio and see what happens. See if we can get there. From there, we might actually have a show that works here. You want to plug in because not working for me, might work for you. Let's see, I'm going to take my computer down today and get it fixed. So do we have it? Are we in? Are we on? Can you hear us? We're all good? Okay. So, well, we've got uh, we've got both computers tuned in now. 
and we'll see if this works. In fact, we'll launch, we will take calls from um, the new computer here. And let's see, we want to hook it up here. Um, uh, all right, well, we're just, I have no idea what's going on right now. So <laughs> I have no idea. I'm going to try and, um, let me see here. I sent some requests this morning to try and find out what number Sean would be calling in from. I'm still trying to figure that one out, but what I think I'll do is just read a little bit about Sean, and then maybe we'll have him on, and hopefully the computer won't die, or if it does, we've got another one up and running. Um, so apologize uh, for all of this. Uh, we have a special guest this morning, Sean Hardwick. We've been waiting for a while to have him come on. Uh, Sean is a regulatory analyst at Mr. Cannabis Law. Yeah, where is it? Yeah. In the psychedelic industry, Sean drafted Florida HB 549 in 2021, which is Florida's first psychedelic legalization bill. Hey, that's cool. With almost two years in the regulated cannabis industry, he's drafted over 17 marijuana state license applications, business plans, operating procedures for dispensaries, cultivation, manufacturing facilities in California, Illinois, Massachusetts, Missouri, New Jersey, and Utah, maybe Arizona. You never know, Sean. I think he might need you. Uh, in the hemp industry, Sean assists clients to attain hemp licenses and maintain compliance with federal and state regulations. All right, now we're going to try something sneaky. We're going to come over here to this computer um, and see if we can have Sean on air with us. Hold on one moment. This is just how we have the little things right now. Give me one second. Here we go. I'm going to actually, I'm going to have to put my earbuds on. My earbuds. Ear I think they called them back in the 1800s. They were you made your ears, Bob. All right, let's see if it works. We're going to try it. Are you with us now? I Thank am. You. Can you hear me? Oh, yay. There you are. Woo-hoo. It worked. We're cheating the system <laughs> because our other one is just not working. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Good. Where are you this morning? Yeah, so I actually live in uh, Tallahassee, Florida. But um, our law firm, Mr. Cannabis Law, we're located in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Nice. Wow, you must have your hands full with uh, legalization in the psychedelic and the cannabis and the hemp world. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) How did you look very young, if I might say? How did you get into all this? Yeah, so obviously, you know, I didn't didn't know my whole life that I was going to be a cannabis attorney. Um, So (laughs) I came to yeah. Exactly. So that's not what your parents wished for you. Yeah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I went. I went to undergrad, um, you know, to get to study finance. Um, and during that time, I did a couple of internships in real estate, in commercial real estate. And I thought that that was sort of the route that I wanted to go. Um, so you know, as I was getting closer to graduation. Um, I was thinking about what I wanted to do, um, and so I figured real estate development um, or real estate law would would be sort of the route to go. Um, So I came to law school thinking that's what I wanted to do. Uh, When I got to school, basically every single other person at my school uh, wanted to do real estate law as well. Uh, Oh, boy. Yeah, so I figured, you know, like, I'm not afraid of competition, but I don't want to compete against every single person, you know, that I go to school with. So, you know, I just tried to figure out, okay, how can I kind of, you know, differentiate myself and, and sort of go my own path. Uh, so my, my roommate and I actually founded the, the White Collar Crime Society, 
at our law school, um, and I was thinking that I was going to do, you know, potentially white-collar hmm. criminal defense or, or something like that. Um, uh-huh. So we actually had we, – we applied and got internships at, at the state attorney's office. It might be called the, the district attorney in Arizona. I'm not 100% sure. But um, so we, we had those internships lined up, and then uh, I saw a post for uh, from a cannabis consultant who was looking for a cannabis writer um, – so I submitted, you know, a writing sample um, and got that job. Um, and so that was at, at Business Cannabis, at, uh, uh, cannabis Business Growth in, in Boca Raton, Florida. And um, that we worked exclusively with, with drafting marijuana applications, uh, you know, across various states. Um, so, that, so that was how I got into the industry. And then, you know, um, I think seven, eight months later or whatever, I connected with my, with my current boss, Dustin Robinson, at Mr. Cannabis Law. Um, you know, joined his team, and you know, since then we've been, you know, drafting, you know, marijuana applications, helping, you know, and, and same thing with hemp, hemp uh, applications, and making sure that, you know, our hemp clients are, are complying with, you know, federal regulations, um, and then, you know, the psychedelic industries, uh, making sure that, you know, helping with business formation, and, um, you know, making sure all these organizations are, are established correctly. That's a that's a lot. Um, what yeah. made you go into the, where'd you branch off into the psychedelics? Cause just out of curiosity, it's a little bit different from cannabis, maybe not so much, but just, I mean, everyone's opinion of it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're different. They're, they're similar, but different. Obviously a lot of the, uh, support, you know, that we, we see from psychedelics, uh, you know, largely comes from people who are passionate about cannabis. Um, but, you know, basically our, our sort of passion, you know, derives from the fact that, you know, with cannabis in particular, it's a natural plant-based medicine that's, you know, shown tremendous impact. So obviously we, we already, you know, are passionate about expanding access to that. But um, we're now seeing, you know, these psychedelic compounds that have been around forever but are, are you know, starting to, to regain traction as they go through the, um, you know, the clinical trial process. And, you know, we're, we're seeing substances such as, um, you know, psilocybin receives breakthrough designation by the FDA, which means that, you know, the early studies of psilocybin indicate that they're more effective at, at treating a major depressive disorder than, um, you know, current medications uh, for that right. ailment. So, um, you know, so we're seeing these compounds that have historically been, you know, seen as a taboo, kind of like cannabis, um, mm-hmm. have, you know, potentially... Um, extremely beneficial, you know, therapeutic benefits um, that we're seeing. So, you know, very similar to cannabis, we're we're just trying to make sure that, um, you know, adults who could benefit from these substances have access to them. Awesome. And are you, so are you helping, so that's, psychedelics is a big legalization challenge. Do you guys have an organization, I mean, a lot, outside of legalization, helping people understand how to use them? I know, totally different question. <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you know how much of the mushroom to use? That kind of a thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so we have, a, uh, we have a nonprofit called Mr. Psychedelic Law, which is sort of mm. our, our um, you know, our face for, you know, sort of uh, moving forward with legislative change. So we sort of started off on the local level, just, you know, trying to go to different local municipalities, trying to get a sort of decriminalization measure passed, um, which, we're, which we're seeing in a bunch of different cities across the U.S., like Oakland, 
um, California, Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, I believe Denver as well. Uh, you know, and there's and there's some more in those states as well, but, but you know, just to name a few. But basically, we're just trying to accomplish the same goal of, you know, cities um, decriminalizing um, psychedelics substances. Um, so what that does is, it, you know, it's a, it's a good first step in, um, you know, a town saying that, you know, law enforcement re- resources shouldn't be used on combating, you know, minor psychedelic possession and, and personal use of these substances. Um, but in reality, um, it doesn't actually create that much of a change because, um, you know, we can't we can't get around state law, and we right. you know, we can't we can't we can't force law enforcement not to enforce state law. Um, right. You know, and, and and these psychedelic substances are obviously all going to be illegal under every state's law. So, um, you mm. know, so so our approach is obviously you know let's let's start small, you know, with the, with the cities at least at least symbolically saying that, you know, resources shouldn't be used to, um, you know, combat minor possession. But um, now we're moving towards, uh, you know, reform on, on a state level. And last legislative session, we introduced a bill for um, psilocybin legalization for here in Florida, uh, which mm-hmm. was based, you know, heavily on, on Oregon's bill, uh, which was passed. And, and basically what it would have done if, if – if it had passed, was, um, you know, create a, a legalized framework for psilocybin products. So a, a licensed producer would create the product, um, and those products would, would be transferred to a healthcare facility. You, you could only take um, psilocybin at the healthcare facility um, under, the supervision of a med- yeah, uh, under the supervision of a medical professional. Um, if, you know, if you have the certain qualifying conditions and, You've been pre-vetted to make sure that it's safe for you to use and stuff like that. Um, and then you take the, you know, you take the psilocybin at the actual facility, and then afterwards, you know, there's arrangements made to, to take you home. And so it, it's a much mm. more of a, a medical framework. It's a than, safer, yeah. Than, uh, you know, than the cannabis framework, which is, you know, you go, whether it's medical or, or recreational, um, you know, you go to a dispensary, purchase your, your products, take it home and consume it there. Um, you know, psychedelics. Right. Or, or, you know, we're still, the, the framework that we have are uh, proposed and, you know, how Oregon is moving forward is a more medical framework where we're going to consume these substances at a medical facility. Right. Well, that's definitely the safer way to do it, especially for people that aren't familiar um, with psychedelics in any way or have never used anything like that. I mean, even cannabis can be psychedelic. I think it was very psychedelic to me when I first started. <laughs> uh, I know it was, and it's... <laughs> definitely changed because I think that was probably due to the fact that my my mind had never been introduced to that yet and it was like wait a minute <laughs> this is interesting yeah. so it didn't <laughs> quite know how to yeah it didn't know how to handle it really so I it was really like yeah it was very interesting but when I tried mushrooms for the first time maybe after because I had smoked some cannabis it was very different I absolutely love mushrooms <laughs> they're very uh they're very upbeat to me and shiny happy new <laughs> Uh, so, are you yourself a cannabis user? I am. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a medical patient here in Florida. Awesome. And um, how's the how's the medical program over there going? You know, uh, you know, some people don't like it. I mean, so from from a business perspective, and, and sort of the challenge that, that we see as attorneys is that um, you know, Florida's framework is vertically integrated, 
um, is the only framework in the country where, where that's required. So what that means is, you know, every producer has to create the products so they have to grow the marijuana, they have mm. to create the products, and they have to sell the products. Um, wow. so, you know, there's operators, yeah, there's operators in Arizona that are obviously doing that, but it's required here in Florida. So um, <clears throat> basically, so every operator has to have, you know, millions and millions of dollars to operate in this space, um, you know, because, you, you, again, you're operating every single part of the supply chain, and you have to get that product to, you know, millions of people all over this huge state. Right. So, so I mean, um, so, so the operators that are, you know, that are well-established, they're, they're usually, um, I mean, the vast majority of them are multi-state operators. Um, so, you know, all the dispensaries that I go to around me are, are you know, are multi-state operators. I, and I, I mean, I like the product, you know, I, I'm not complaining, obviously, I was a long-time user of street products. So um, right. I'm very happy that I'm, that I'm able to walk into a store and know exactly right. what percentage THC I'm getting, what terpenes I'm getting, um, and everything like that. Um, because, not have know, to it, sit in the it, parking lot and wait. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Exactly. That's scary. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but you know, so so you know, some people don't like the fact that it's only pretty much large businesses that are you know that are in the state. Um, yeah. But you know, I I don't I don't see any you know issues as far as being a customer and a consumer. Um, you know, I, I think it's working out pretty well. But obviously, from a business perspective, I, you know, I'd love to see, you know, more businesses given an opportunity, you know, to operate. Yeah, that's interesting that you said it takes millions of dollars. Do you think that the average mom and pop could start something small and grow with it in, in your industry? Because the way Arizona set their dispensaries up, they're literally supposed to grow 70% of their own medicine and if they don't, they're supposed to get the rest from other Arizona dispensaries. So it's kind of a it's a weird situation, and it, mm-hmm. it, and Arizona doesn't leave room for the mom and pop grower in in any way, shape, yeah. or form, unless it comes to hemp, which most people haven't caught on to that yet. Um, mm-hmm. They're just looking at cannabis, big money. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. What is what does Florida have for the for the for the little folk for the mom and pop, not safely? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. To your point. So, yeah, so Florida has no opportunities for, for the small mom and pop uh-huh. operator. Yeah, because, yeah. well, again, again, there's the vertical integration requirement, which realistically requires millions of dollars to operate. But on top of that, there's only 22 licenses that have been issued, and that's it. Um, you know, we're oh. waiting right now. We're waiting right now. There's supposed to be, I believe it's at least seven more that are issued. Um, based mm-hmm. off of population and stuff like that, the Florida's framework has been, in, you know, the, ver- the vertical integration requirement has been challenged in the Supreme Court for years now, um, and we just got a ruling that basically that that vertical integration requirement is legal. Um, so hmm. they're going to keep moving forward with that framework, but but there will be some additional licenses issued. Um, wait, so I get that and. Theory creates opportunities for you know for mom and pop, but um, again, right. you, you do need millions of dollars to operate, uh, you know, to get your product all across the state and to grow and to every you know to create the product. So, um, so realistically, they're, they're you know like many other states, there's just not an opportunity for small operators mm-hmm. to get in the industry, which is which is unfortunate. It's very unfortunate because we talk about this all the time, Costco 
Safeway. Those guys aren't afraid of the farmer's market or for tomato growers, you know. Um, yeah. So it's 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 pretty sad that the opportunity isn't going to be given to, you know, people that just want to make a living doing something they love. And a lot of people absolutely love to grow cannabis. It's very therapeutic and uh, very, you know, beneficial to people's health. So um, exactly. that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, and especially, too, like there, there's, I mean, you can have growers who specialize in, you know, growing just small batches of craft grow and, you know, yeah. uh, there's a certain market for that and, you know, people are willing to pay for that and it creates jobs and it creates opportunities. So, yeah, there's definitely, um, you know, a lot of opportunities for people to make a living, but uh, it, we're under the, you know, the authority of, of state lawmakers you know, who create, the, mm-hmm. you know, regulatory scheme to, um, you know, basically follow what, what, what they want us to do or whatever licensing um, scheme that they develop. Right. Um, so what do you think about the federal government as far as, like, scheduling and, and when they're going to just say to the states, all right, you know, they're already saying, basically, you guys make up your own mind, but they're still rating states and, uh, stuff like that. When do you think, what is your time frame of when this is all going to be like, all right, we can just, you know, go grow our tomatoes, quote unquote, <laughs> yeah. what we need to no, do? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very interesting question um, and kind of loaded because, you know, obviously going way back, um, you know, cannabis became a Schedule One controlled substance in 1971 with the Controlled Substances Act. Um, and just like every other psychedelic, it is listed on there as well. So, um, you know, so all of these substances have been federally illegal since 1971. Obviously, cannabis has gone its own route of basically being state legal but federally illegal. And, and mm-hmm. just to contrast it a little bit, psychedelics are still federally illegal, but they're going through a, a clinical trial process. So they're basically going through the correct federal process to become legal, whereas cannabis right. is just kind of skirting around federal law by – sort of illegally creating this 33-plus state industries that now exist. Um, mm-hmm. but, 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 but to get back to it, um, you know, in 2008, when, you know, when, when these industries started really forming, you know, under the Obama administration, um, the Attorney General Cole came out with a statement that basically said, we're not going to go after, you know, any sort of um, banks for, you know, for banking with cannabis companies, we're just looking out for, um, you know, we're just looking out for illegal enterprises and whatnot. Um, and so basically the, the, the message of the administration was, you know, we're not going to go after, um, you know, legal cannabis companies. We're just going to look after or, or we're going to go after, you know, you know, criminal enterprises. So um, during that time, we actually saw a bunch of raids and stuff like that. Um, you know, in, in contrast to, you know, sort of what they were saying, um, under the Trump administration, um, well, uh, Attorney General Sessions basically came out and said, we will prosecute any cannabis business because, you know, it's federally illegal, um, you know, under federal law. But I, I, there weren't, as far as I recall, there weren't too many raids or any sort of federal, you know, enforcement actions against cannabis businesses. And now under the current administration, um, we've seen, you know, enforcement actions against uh, bank enforcement actions against cannabis businesses. 
which is the first time I've seen it since I've been in the industry. Um, you know, many of the staffers, you know, the president were fired for using cannabis. Um, yeah. Obviously, our vice, our, our vice president has thrown many people in jail for using cannabis. Um, so, you know, we kind of have mixed signals of, of sort of where the federal government stands, you know, with cannabis, obviously. Everyone assumes that, you know, Democratic, um, you know, legislators are, are pro-cannabis. Republicans are anti-cannabis, which is, you know, mostly true as far as, far as you know, federal legislators go. But um, obviously we're seeing a disconnect in the White House as far as that goes. So yep. um, what actually, uh, so the Safe Banking Act, which was, which is basically a law that allows um, cannabis businesses to have access just to regular banking um, has been passed several times by um, Democratic lawmakers, but hasn't made it to, a, you know, the Republican Senate yet. So what they just did, actually, right. I think it was last week, I think it was actually last week, they, they, they uh, um, Democrats put it, uh, the Safe Banking Act essentially in the a defense spending bill, which, which passed. So, um, you know, it hasn't, hasn't passed the Senate yet, but you know, so soon we might have, um, you know, access to, to banking because it's kind of, you know, split into a defense spending bill. But um, that's, that's going to be sort of the first step, um, you know, towards any sort of federal either legalization or more of a normalization of this industry. Um, it's just giving right. these, you know, these companies just access to, to normal banking. Um, so I think yeah. once we get that, you know, at least that's, that's a step in the right direction. And then from there, I think that really opens up the, uh, you know, the dialogue as to, okay, we need to actually, you know, make actual reform in this industry and, and sort of avoid this confusion that we're having of, you know, the vast majority of states having this industry while being, you know, federally illegal. So, right. I mean, so, so, so to conclude everything, I still think we're a few years away from seeing like a, you know, a, a federal legalization or normalization. Um, I would be surprised if we saw anything like that under the under this administration. Um, you know, right. but it could happen. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. But I, but I, but I do think we're we're still a few years away from that. And I would definitely say that, especially given the state of the planet <laughs> at large. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, so, do you have um, consulting services for folks that want to get into different aspects? Maybe maybe someone is afraid of the cannabis area and they want to go into hemp and they don't quite know what to do. What do you, what do you say to someone like that? They don't want to go like, you know, cause hemp's slightly more legal. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Hemp, yeah. Hemp, yeah. Hemp is federally legal. So there's, there's a lot more yeah. opportunities for, for businesses in, in that regard. Yeah. So, I mean, we do, we do um, definitely consult with businesses. We, we work with businesses to get their, um, you know, their hemp licenses, um, make sure that all of their operating procedures, all of their packaging and they whatnot complies with, with federal and state regulations. Uh, we make sure that they're selling their products in the right states, um, you know, because certain states, you know, especially, you know, we're seeing products with like Delta 8 THC. Um, mm-hmm. Hemp, yeah, hemp operators just by and large are, are focused on creating products um, that focus on, you know, minor cannabinoids which are basically any other cannabinoid that's not Delta-9 THC and, and CBD. Right. Um, so, right. So they're basically just... Yeah, how is that being handled? Yeah, and so every... St- so, you know, there's... 
we make we, some states, you know, permit basically every single hemp product because hemp is technically federally legal, um, mm-hmm. you know, from the under the 2018 Farm Bill, um, which modified right. the Controlled Substances Act to remove, you know, hemp um, from the definition of marijuana and from the definition of THC. So basically, any sort of um, you know product that you know falls under the definition of hemp, which means it contains less than 0.3 percent delta 9 THC is is federally legal. But um, on a state level, some states have gone and said um, pretty much intoxicating cannabinoids like delta 8 THC um, or even just, you know, THCs from hemp in general are are not permitted. So we're seeing, um, you know, some states... Well, how are they getting away with that? Because a a state can be more restrictive than than the... um, Yeah, than... Than the than the country, so yeah, the state can okay. you know provide yeah can be more restrictive than than the um, than the, the federal government, but it can't be you know less restrictive. Bit, yeah. So that's why so that's why it's really huh. interesting that we have you know all of these independent um, markets because they're all pretty much illegal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's interesting. Yeah, wow. Yeah, we we know Arizona is one of the states. I know New York; they don't allow Delta Eight, and mm-hmm. now you know they're, they're looking into Delta Ten, Delta Seven. I mean, when yeah. is it going to stop? And I yeah, mean, there's it's all, just yeah, exactly. a creative there's way of get, getting around it, you know. Exactly. Yeah, and, and which is and, and yeah, and to answer your question too is like you know why there's this confusion is that you know from the from a federal perspective, the Drug Enforcement Administration and the Food Drug the Food and Drug Administration, you know, they, they oversee these hemp products and they've pretty much only taken positions on CBD and THC, which is to say the uh, THC and CBD can't be added to any food product or dietary supplement and you can't market these products with any sort of medical claims. So you can't say that the CBD helps cure epilepsy or helps cure um, COVID or helps cure, you know, whatever. Um, whatever you ba- you basically just have to say like you know it promotes relaxation it promotes happiness um, right you know just more general well-being general may that, yeah may be helpful than, for yeah then yeah then 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 specific um, yeah medical claims yeah interesting it's, it's there's always been a huge gray Space but but yeah, oh, but or, yeah, but my yeah, my whole point was um, they have yeah, other than like those, um, you know, saying that they can't be in dietary supplements, food products, and making these claims, they haven't really taken a position on delta eight or any of these other um, mm. cannabinoids that are gaining traction. So, you know, that's kind of leaving it up to the states to say, hey, we don't want these um, psychoactive right. products um, in our marketplace, especially I, the. And what it seems like is regulators are just really concerned about psych- the psychoactivity of these products because, like, Delta right. A, for example, has about 66 67% of the psychoactivity as, as Delta 9 or just regular THC. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's, a, it's a noticeably different effect, but it's still pretty similar because, sure. you know, again, it's still two-thirds of, of the psychoactivity. Um, Delta 10 has even less psychoactivity. I think it's somewhere around, like, 50%. Um, and CBN has like 10 to 17%. So you have a bunch of these cannabinoids that are still psychoactive, but less psychoactive, um, you know, but we haven't seen any attention around those. 
Um, but right. now there's now there's new um, cannabinoids coming out: THCV, THCO, which both have um, psychoactive potencies that are at least like two times as much as as delta nine THC. Um, so the, I expect that those uh, you know will definitely uh, get the attention of, of, of lawmakers because yeah. if they're going after if, if there's if there's a, if there's concern already about delta eight THC which, again, is only two-thirds of psychoactivity as Delta-9 THC, then, you know, they're obviously going to be concerned about cannabinoids like THCV and THCO, which produce much more psychoactive effects. Uh, THCV, is that, that's not the uh, raw form, is, or is that just uh, another cannabinoid? No, it's just, a, it's just another cannabinoid. I think THCA huh. is... Um, yeah, it's, it's sort of THC in its raw form, in its raw form, like that, broken down through oxygen turns into THC. Um, THCV, if I'm remembering correctly, just has a, a slightly different molecular structure. Um, a regular THC atom has five, I believe they're called alkyl, alkyne chains, which which connect to your endocannabinoid receptors, and so. Um, the the optimal connection I guess is eight receptors, and so huh. CV has has seven of these um, alkaline you know side chains, whereas delta nine THC has five. So those additional oh. you know side chains on the on the molecule um, wow. create a stronger a stronger bind in the endocannabinoid system, you know, which creates that um, increased psychoactive effect. I think we need to put some lawmakers in a room with some people that are going to use all these different types of the cannabinoids and let them watch what happens because I don't understand this reefer madness still. Like you've got alcohol, you've got caffeine that freaks people out. You have tobacco. People yeah. will kill people if they don't have their tobacco, you know, yeah. and people kill yeah. people on alcohol. You know, people exactly. are, they just, the reefer madness is just, I think, and then we should let them watch and then I think they can pick a cannabinoid they should try, <laughs> you know, yeah. let them. Yeah, let them feel the effects of what so, is so scary, you know, because it's not as scary as, as they all make it out to be. The reefer madness is just not there anymore. So I will say it does affect everybody differently. So yeah, <laughs> no, too exactly. much of an edible or too much hash. <laughs> you know, yeah. You might uh, be a little silly. Yeah. Yeah, it could definitely ruin your day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, so speaking of, Strains. Do you have a favorite strain that you like? Let's talk about something like that. <laughs> a favorite strain? Um, yeah. The first one that the first one that comes to mind is Afghani. I don't know if uh, oh. I don't know if any of the producers yeah. out there have it, but yeah, it's pretty much like uh, when you look up like a strain of a, of a lot of these products and you go back to like their roots, a lot of them mm-hmm. are derived from Afghani. It's it's a very old mm-hmm. um, indica. indica um, obviously derived from Afghanistan, but, um, you know, very, I love, I love my Indicos or an Indico leaning hybrid. Um, I like yeah. the nice relaxation. Um, I like the, you know, pain inflammation relief, um, you know, helps me sleep at night. I've, I've battled insomnia pretty much my whole life. So, um, oh. you know, nice high THC Indica really helps me sleep really well. Um, yeah. But yeah, sure. and, uh, I'm starting to yeah, and I'm starting to appreciate you know my sativas more. Um, 
but I realized with those is, you know, a lot of people don't like them because, mm-hmm. you know, especially with a high THC sativa, you know, you can become anxious pretty quickly. Um, right. You know, in comparison to like an indica, for example, um, which which turns a lot of people off. And, you know, I've had plenty of, you know, where I've, I've taken too much of a, you know, sativa or whatever and my heart's racing. But what I've realized is there's a bunch of these terpenes like humulene and um, limonene and stuff like that that, um, if, if your sativa is high, you know, in those terpenes, then they have um, anti-anxiety properties, which makes, you know, the experience much, much better. So now you're just getting a clear-headed, um, you know, focused, uplifting experience versus like, you know, 30 minutes of your heart racing. and <laughs> you know. Right, yeah. Not knowing what to do if you should call the hospital or not. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that happened to a neighbor of mine. <laughs> he ended up calling the <laughs> paramedics because his heart was, he just got super paranoid and didn't know what to do. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. and, and it, it yeah, can I happen. Can I mean, this is a, a mind-altering, physical-altering, spiritual-altering substance, and you have to be careful when you're doing anything probably other than water. But I would say you have to be careful with water because that can actually kill you. Cannabis can't. <laughs> you can't drink too much, you know, cannabis, but you can overdo it on water. Yeah, I That's true. Um, yeah, I tend to be more indica myself. And I always wondered about the, the levels of THC uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, THC is the one thing that everybody says will get you high. But then people ask, well, wait a minute, my indica has high THC, THC levels. Why am I not, like, you know, having a sativa effect on there? So it's, it's been very interesting to learn the dynamics of that because I'm an indica girl yeah. myself. Sativas, sativas really make me... Uh, they make my face close. <laughs> Can't think. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. the opposite effect of what it's supposed to have. So, yeah, no, uh, no, no. what other, what other kind of legalization um, challenges do you have coming up? Are you working with different states now? Are you branching out? Uh, no, yeah. So we were, um, you know, we're working to to bring a research um, psychedelic bill into into Florida, and actually. Um, a representative um, that introduced our last psychedelic bill just introduced a similar one. Um, so we'll probably just end up supporting that one. But uh, basically the idea is to require the Department of Health in, in Florida to uh, research the efficacy of, of a variety of psychedelic substances in comparison mm-hmm. to medicines that are used currently to, to treat uh, in particular opioid addiction or just opioids in general and um, and for PTSD for, for veterans. And so our, our goal is obviously for, for the state to um, be forced to, to look at these substances and obviously ultimately conclude from these clinical trials that they're, that they're safer um, than, the, than the treatments that are available right now to, to treat um, opioid dependence and, and PTSD and a variety of other um, ailments. How open do you think they'll be to doing that? Because I know the research in Arizona has been challenging. We keep putting different ailments up, like anxiety and issues like that, and insomnia, and they just keep denying them. Yeah. So, I mean, I think they'll be open to it. You know, if it's if it's done correctly. Um, you know, just to be honest, I, I really wanted a, a Republican um, lawmaker to to bring forth this bill because. Um, Mm. I think that that gives it the greatest opportunity to be passed in in Florida. I don't think a Democrat has gotten any law passed or, you know, substantial law passed in the last few years. And, uh, you know, on top of that, um, 
you know, this bill is really, you know, tailored, um, well, not tailored, but uh, one of the primary benefit or recipients of this, of this bill is, um, you know, veterans. We really want to support veterans yeah. in, in this arena. So I really think, you know, a, a Republican voice would lead that. Um, so I, I do think that we do, we have two, we actually have two research bills that were introduced um, both Democrats here in Florida. So uh, I think that is, is going to make it harder to pass, you know, just that everything mm. is so partisan now. Um, right. So so I, I, I think if we can get a Republican to introduce it, I, I think there's a good shot of it getting passed because, again, we're not really mm-hmm. asking for much. We're not, you know, we're not creating a psychedelic industry or anything or, or, or even expanding access. We're just requiring, you know, the Department of Health to look at clinical studies that are already being conducted on these substances. Right. So, so it's, it's a pretty small ask with a potential, mm-hmm. you know, big return in the long run for, for everyone involved. Right. So, um, uh, so I do think there, you know, there's a good shot of it getting passed. It's just, you know, with the, if you have the wrong face or the wrong name behind it, I don't, I don't think it's going to gain much traction. That's true. Yeah. And it is, awful now that everything's so split because you don't know who's going to react to what and and how Mm -hmm. um but yeah and are you are you presenting them with the research or are you just saying it's out there are you guys giving them specific things to look at yeah so so we were for we were drafting our own bill that we wanted to introduce and so with that we kind of made it clear that any organization that's conducting these clinical studies has an opportunity to present their their findings to the department of health so they would basically have to be considered in the study. So, you know, we were going to give them basically a deadline to submit any, you know, findings, uh-huh. you know, to the department to be considered. Um, the bill that's introduced is very broad, so it, it doesn't really, you know, say where they have to get this information from. And so mm. my the, the concern I, I have with that is um, – you know, I don't want the Department of Health to basically just find like two studies that you know exactly. that show that they that show that they're that it's like it actually be negative in comparison right. to like you know the 500 that say that they're great, and then just like roll with those you know those two you know findings exactly. and then and then just conclude that you know psychedelics are bad and they should stay illegal. Um, so that's why mm-hmm. I was really you know um, purposefully put that language in the bill to allow. Any you know clin- any any um, organization that's conducting these uh, studies to, to present that evidence or, or their findings to make sure that the Department of Health actually considers um, all you know all of these findings that are out there. So um, you know we'll, we'll see you know what what <laughs> you know what research they end up actually using. But um, that's why I, I tried to make our bill a little bit different than um, I know Texas's bill that which has already passed and. Connecticut and potentially Arizona's as well. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's in the last 10 years that we've been doing this, we've, we've seen so many changes and, and the legalization has been interesting and so very different in the different states uh, in regards, you know, just even to what they allow. And, um, yeah, hopefully they don't pick those two negative articles. <laughs> it's this is no good <laughs> to, yeah, I wouldn't even say it, but uh, yeah, it's definitely, a, it's been an interesting process um, and uh, just, 
it's exciting actually too to see a lot more people now are just so much more open to even the thought of it. We got a lot of people that come in our health center and they they just can't believe that they're in there. You know, their doctors are telling mm-hmm. them, you need to go to Tumbleweeds and get your medical card. And they're like, well, wait, it's reefer madness. Why are you sending me there, yeah. you know? Uh, so, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, so looking at your website, I want to let everybody know where they can uh, get in touch with you if they need to. Uh, MrCannabisLaw.com, just as it sounds. Uh, and you can go to, they've got a wonderful Frequently Asked Questions page, and I'm just going to fire off a couple before we have to end the show here. Um, but I'm going to just ask some questions that you already have up there because I know a lot of our uh, listeners, um, some are new, some are not, but some want to know the questions like this. Is it legal to transport hemp across state lines, and can we order hemp or cannabis seeds from other countries? Is that legal? Yeah, so to answer the first question, yes, yeah, so hemp is federally legal. Um, which means that, you know, it's legal in all 50 states, so you can transport hemp between states. But as I was talking about earlier, there are some states that prohibit either certain cannabinoid types, like oh, Delta right. 8, for example, Delta like 8, all Delta stuff, 8 yeah. THC products, and then some, um, you know, prohibit certain product types, so that whether that be smokable hemp, so like the, the hemp mm. that look pretty much just looks like weed or, um, right. or or cigars or pre-rolls or anything like that. Or some states prohibit vapes, some prohibit um, edibles. No one really prohibits, um, and some prohibit tinctures, but no one no one prohibits cosmetics, I don't think. Um, but oh. So, you know, each, so each, so, yeah, so some states will say, you know, all hemp products are allowed and all hemp products, you know, can be sold. Some say, you know, some you know, again, some cannabinoid products are prohibited or some product types are prohibited. So it, it gets interesting. So so basically, federally, yes, it can be transported between states, but it, it does become more complicated when, once you get down to the state level. And then sure. um, as far as, yeah, and as far as importing hemp seeds from other countries, um, you know, again, each state kind of has their own standards for the um, – you know, for growing hemp, they're, each state will mm-hmm. submit a plan to the United States Department of Agriculture to get approved for their, you know, their hemp program. Um, and uh. some states, requ- you know, some states require that seeds come from, um, uh, you know, a source that with a specific sort of certification. And so mm-hmm. if, if that seed doesn't have that certification, um, might not comply with, with your state's laws, and then on top of that, um, you know, international seeds, I mean, you run the risk of, of having seeds that potentially test above um, 0.3% right. THC. 0.3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then if that's the case and it, you know, tests above 0.3% THC, you're going to have to destroy that entire crop, you right. know, in whatever sort of designated area that that may be. And so depending on basically how you have your, your cultivation set up here in Florida, um, that could mean potentially destroying an entire acre of crops. Um, it could be, or you know, 40. obviously less than that. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. 40 acres, or, or more. it could be a smaller yeah. section. Yeah. You know, obviously yeah. depending on how you have everything organized, but, um, you know, right. that could be lots and lots of money. So so the long story short is, I mean, you um, technically I think you could. I think some in, in some states you would, you'd be allowed to, um, you know, import hemp seeds from, from other countries, but you're definitely safest getting your hemp seeds 
in the United States, making sure that they have the correct certification that they test below 0.3% THC so you don't have to end up destroying, uh, you know, burning a crop, which could be hundreds right. of thousands and of dollars to oh, <laughs> your yeah. business. If, if, if not more these days, yeah. Yeah. And is that yeah. hold true for uh, cannabis seeds too? Uh, yeah, so, well, this, yeah. So cannabis or yeah, marijuana is interesting because you know it's federally illegal. So every every state where it's legal has their own industry. Um, so all the you know all the products have to be created and sold within the state. There's no interest. You can't sell you know cannabis products across state lines. So I couldn't mm-hmm. bring my medical marijuana to Alabama or to Georgia or to you know any right. of these other states. Um, so you have to source all of basically your, your marijuana material in the state. So there is no really purchasing, um, you know, cannabis seeds or or cannabis plants from, from other states in, in marijuana. Right. Right. Yeah. Total catch 22. (laughs) Yeah. um, Exactly. Now, what do you tell somebody that says, well, Hey, I, I'm not going to grow it or anything, but let's say I want to open a, a, coffee shop where everyone can just eat it, smoke it, drink it, vape it, tincture it away in the shop. How, what do you say to somebody like that? What would be their yeah. best, you know, course of action? Yeah, well, first, um, you know, in some places you can definitely do that. Some places it's not allowed. Um, you know, that that turns into um, more of local zoning regulations than, you know, more of, than state cannabis regulations. Um, but yeah, no people, you know, you can definitely do that. Um, we, we have, we have clients that, um, you know, they have shops that sell hemp, um, infused with, um, you know, like we have, a, we're working with a bakery, they have, um, you know, cookies, brownies and stuff like that, that all contain like Delta ATHC and all these other cannabinoids. Oh. Um, and then we're working with this other company that, uh, you know, they have, they infuse, you know, Delta eight and other hemp products with, with ice cream and stuff like that. And then they all, then they have their prepackaged vapes and tinctures and stuff like that as well. Um, you know, so, so there's a bunch of different um, business opportunities with hemp because again, it's federally legal and basically every state has an established industry of some sort. So, um, right. Yeah. So, any, so there's, a, there's definitely a lot more opportunities in hemp if, if that's what you want to do. Um, and a lot of people right. are doing that, like you said, um, sort of a consumption lounge sort of setup mm-hmm. with, with hemp products. Yeah. In, 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 yeah, no, in the efforts to, you know, position themselves for, um, you know, the hopes that, you know, there's a, an adult use or recreational market that, that allows cannabis consumption. Right. Yeah. So we're actually, yeah, so we're seeing a lot of people, um, you know, set up shops like that, you know, for that reason. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, because there's going to be all mm-hmm. sorts of ancillary shops and businesses set up around the fact that, you know, not everybody can have a dispensary and not everybody knows how to grow. You know, in the in the gold exactly. rush, the person, you know, a lot of you know the the people that were selling the picks, pans, and shovels made a whole lot of money. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, what's your best advice if somebody just wants to get in any of these markets? What would you tell them to do if, if you know? Because a lot of people want to just jump in and go they see cbd and cannabis as big money makers and uh, mm-hmm. some people just want to get in for the love of it but what do you what's your best advice just stepping out the front door 
Yeah, a couple of things. So first, I think people need to sort of get a realistic expectation of their cannabis business. You know, a lot of people yeah. get into this business, especially especially the hemp business, thinking that they're going to make a, a lot of money just because it's a cannabis product. And, and that's not the mm-hmm. case. It requires a lot of capital. It requires a lot of work. And kind of where we are right now in the market, everyone's basically selling the same products. You know, there's not really too much difference between one CBD product and another. Um, you know, obviously we're, we're seeing tiny little differences. You know, some will put melatonin and they'll put these other natural right, ingredients in to, to or, separate it. Yeah. yeah, or something to separate it slightly. But, I mean, you know, hemp is pretty much, it's pretty much a commodity at this point. Um, and so it's really like a race almost to the bottom who can sell it the cheapest and the highest volume versus, you know, who's really the dominant, you know, players. And so I think, like, I think for anyone getting in the hemp industry, I think it's really important to, to really figure out um, how you can differentiate yourself from, you know, other people mm-hmm. in the market, whether it's just making your product different or making it better or making your brand just stand out apart from the competition. Because if you, if you get in right. and basically do what everybody else is doing, you know, you're, there's, you're not going to succeed. And then the other piece of advice I have is make sure that, um, you know, you surround yourself with the right team. Um, You're right. You know, it's hard, to, it's hard to find people with cannabis experience, but, you know, obviously mm-hmm. if you can find that, at least somebody on your team with regulated cannabis experience, you know, that would be super beneficial. But just, um, you know, the, no matter which sort of business you, you get into, it's going to be a ton of work. And so you need to make sure that you right. have the right team that, that can operate you know, efficiently, so you don't get in, um, get your hemp license, or get, even if you're lucky enough to get a marijuana license, and then, you know, you get it, and you can't grow the product, or you can't create a product, and then all of a sudden, all this investment is for nothing. So, yeah, so you need to make sure that either you're prepared to, you know, to operate, or you're surrounding yourself with people who can teach you how to operate, so you're not, you know, wasting money as soon as you get into this industry. (laughs) Yeah, very good point because I think a lot of people think they can just open up shop and boom, they're millionaires. You know, that's it. And yeah, it's exactly. Easy and, yeah, they don't have to work. Yeah, like I, <laughs> exactly. Like I mean, especially too. Like uh, you know, a lot of people think, okay, well, if I can grow tomatoes or if I can grow flowers, I can go shop. Like, like I can grow cannabis. And right. you know, maybe that's true, but there's obviously there's a lot of work that goes into it. You know, it needs to be constantly monitored, and you know, cannabis has its own sort of issues that um, mm-hmm. with growing and compared to other plants. And so if you just kind of blindly think that, you know, I have a green thumb so I can grow and I'm going to make all this money, you know, that's, those are the people that really run into issues. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, rough lesson to learn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Sean, for coming on. Apologize for the problems at the beginning of the show, but it's been an absolute pleasure, and I'm sure we will be contacting you with many more questions. Maybe you can help us out in Arizona here, and um, we we wish you the best. And keep in keep in contact, and maybe we can come back, have you back on a little later, and have some updates about Florida and different states you're working with. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. It was a, it was a blast. Well, thank you. And tell everybody once again where they can get in touch with you. Oh, yeah. So you can find us at, at MrCannabisLaw.com um, across all of our socials at Mr. Cannabis. We're pretty easy to find there. Um, 
and then you can email me personally at S Hardwick, as in Sean Hardwick, at MrCannabisLaw.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, and have a wonderful rest of your day. We appreciate you being here. All right. Thank you. You as well. <laughs> thank you. All right. Sean Hardwick, everybody. We're going to try and sign into our uh, show here that actually died. I'm not sure how we kept going. I think the grace of the, the ganja gods uh, let it happen. Um, but we're going to try and sign in and see what the heck it does because, um, yeah, fingers crossed. If we lose you, now it's saying it's not even good and we're not even on. Anyway, folks, thanks for tuning in to Weed Day Wednesday. Be smart, be safe, educate. Come next Monday to 6224 East Speedway Boulevard and check out our grand opening of The Good Leaf, uh, your hemp and CBD marketplace. We're going to have all sorts of wonderful new things for you in store. So thanks again. Happy Weed Day Wednesday, everybody. We love you. Have an awesome Weed Day Wednesday. Go smoke a bomb. <laughs>